You are listening to a SkyGuide podcast, celebrating 100 years of air navigation services in Switzerland. Presented by Indra, one of the leading global technology and consulting companies and the technological partner for core business operations of its customers worldwide. In this series, we are talking to our experts to see how we have evolved from the early days of aviation and how we are shaping the future of air navigation services in Switzerland. My name is Vladi Barossa and I am your host. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. Today we're talking to Klaus Meyer. He is SkyGuide's CIO and the master of all technology at SkyGuide. Klaus, welcome to the show. Good to talk to you. Hi, Vladi. Let's talk strategy. In your own words, what is the long-term strategy of SkyGuide uh, relating to the future of air traffic management in Switzerland? Well, uh, we had to ask ourselves uh, um, uh, in, uh, in 2035, uh, why are we still around? Uh, what did we do right in, uh, in, uh, in uh, 2018 that we still exist? And I think that was a very good starting point to talk about the future and say, uh, you, know, uh, you make decisions that have an impact mid-long term on the business. And um, SkyGuide did that approach and this is what we're doing now. And uh, we made decisions uh, recently and we will continue to make decisions that uh, give us the right to exist also in 20 years from now. A strategy is nothing else than uh, a path towards a goal that you define as a management. So you just mentioned the Vision 2035. One of the pillars of our strategy, as I read, is to move away from assets to services. What does that exactly entail? Are we actually getting rid of, say, our radar infrastructure? Yeah, that is uh, that is has uh, uh, that term has caused a lot of discussions, and uh, and uh, that in itself is probably already good that we have this discussion. The origin of that uh, uh, term is going back to the fact that what we see in air traffic management is that we move away from location dependent equipment. Yeah? That is how ANSPs developed themselves. So originally you had a a radio that you could use to communicate with an aircraft that was in the range of that radio. So it was very location dependent. Later on, on airports, we found out, you know, if we put some electromagnetic beams, we could help an aircraft land uh, when there was fog. And, uh, and again, later we realized too, if I use radars, you know, and radars not only around airports, but along an airway, you know, on the, bo on the bottom with, uh, or on the ground with waypoints, uh, I can provide an additional surveillance service. So everything was very much location based, and it was based on the fact that we had this equipment, assets, and we used this equipment to do air traffic management. So what has changed and why do we say we want to move away from that? Starting in the 90s with the introduction of global positioning systems, GPS, and the fact that the Americans uh, during the first Gulf War decided to open up parts of that for civilian purpose, we suddenly had a global infrastructure mm -hmm. that allowed us to navigate. Not just 
in air traffic management, but even for us personally now, By all car. of us, we have a car with a GPS in there, we have our mobile phones with GPS in there. Location-based services became a very important element of modern life. And we had to ask ourselves, so what's happening now if we have global infrastructure that provides that service? Do we need still assets or have someone else own that asset? And we learned to use that service. Now to the radars, we saw it recently that Arion, uh, an American company using the Iridium uh, mm -hmm. satellite system, low-flying satellites, they put a, an ADSP payload on a, such an Iridium satellite. Now we have a global service, a global surveillance service available. Again, the question is, why would we still have local surveillance equipment assets? Why would we not just use these services? So these developments forced us to ask that question, how do we move from assets to services and how is the business model of a NSP changing with that move? Which in and of itself, it's a paradigm shift. Actually, which is a paradigm shift because an ANSP before was defined by the asset it owned, and in the future, an ANSP will be defined by the question how do we use these services to manage a specific airspace? Good. Well, another pillar of our strategy is one sky by one system. Don't we already have a system in place? What, what is the vision behind that? Yeah, everybody has a system in place. Every area control center has an e a system in, in place. So the part that's interesting is not the system, but the one sky. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, also to get to one sky, you need to have most likely one system. It doesn't make sense to have one sky with various systems. The, the, again, this is related to the question before from assets to services. Uh, previously, an area control center uh, was using a system that was usually the floor below in the basement of the area control center and was managing the sky above. Yeah? And, uh, and uh, if a plane flew over this, uh, this area control center uh, and flew to another one, you had a normal handover, you know, center to center handover. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're doing that in Europe 68 times. And uh, this is probably not the most efficient way of doing it. Now, first look at the systems. Why does every area control center need to have a fully integrated, disconnected, monolithic system to provide the service? Why cannot that service be provided somewhere else and it can be shared among various area control centers? So that's the first step to move to a system and an architecture that allows area control center to provide basically this kind or to, to get this kind of service from one system. And then the second is then when we look at the airspace, why do, can we only manage the airspace above the, air, the, the regional or the area control center? Mm -hmm. Why would we not be able, from a capacity perspective, for example, share capacities across many area control centers, which means you can also access the sky or sectors in other areas. So this move from, uh, from a disconnected siloed setup of the way how we manage an airspace towards looking at an airspace as a continuum or as a network and provide a service from connected uh, area control centers via one, two or three systems is not that far-fetched because uh, most modern IT systems operate that, that way and uh, most modern uh, uh, business processes operate that way too. 
Which brings me to the next question, the virtual center program. What role will the virtual center program play in that setup that you just mentioned? Well, it's basically the concept that we're implementing for one sky by one system is a virtual center. And virtual has less to do with the fact that we virtualize infrastructure. It has more to do that it becomes location independent. That the system can be any place and provide the system service to any area control center, but very important being connected and exchanging information. And the second element also on the business side or on the operational side, uh, uh, um, a, a, a controller has access to any part of an airspace uh, because we have a system that enables that. So it becomes location independent. So probably the better word than virtual center would be a location independent, uh, independent uh, um, center. Could the virtual center not only be a Swiss solution, but also an European solution on the way to finally realizing the single European sky? And what, from your point of view, would take it to get there? Well, first of all, yes. Uh, that uh, that uh, is just a logical consequence. If we are successful here in Switzerland with the virtual center, then it is a, a perfect role model for the rest of Europe. And we, we always said uh, 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 we are solving a European problem within Switzerland. We have a, a French center in Geneva. We have a German center in Zurich. And um, before they, they were not really connected with the virtual center, we operate them as if they would be one center logically, even if they're physically still mm -hmm. separated. We will have one system and we manage the Swiss sky as one continuum. So if a flight comes into Switzerland, Swiss airspace, only by the accent the pilot will recognize whether, whether um, the service comes from Geneva or from, uh, from Zurich. And uh, if you extrapolate that now to Karlsruhe, or to Reims or to uh, Marseille, the same can be applied uh, there. What does it take to get there? That's a different question. You know? and, uh, but I still, looking back now the last uh, six years, uh, we have made big steps forward, uh, particularly on the European level, that first of all, it is recognized that the virtual center is one of the elements of how we can achieve a single European sky. It was first reflected in the airspace architecture study published in 2018. And right after that, in the current uh, master plan for single European sky. So it's clearly described that this is a way forward because it uh, allows us to do the harmonization without switching, switching off area control centers, shutting down centers, and all the other political sensitive topics. Make that a secondary question. Let me say we can use the current setup, but we can operate them as a continuum that, they, that, that work together. And uh, if I look around of uh, also the pressure that is coming now from the various countries on the, on the suppliers providing the services, mm -hmm. for example, uh, there's, uh, there's uh, more and more pressure to move in that direction. So the answer is here a clear yes, absolutely. This is part of the plan already today and uh, we just need to continue to work in that direction. Let's stay in the future, look ahead in the future. In 20 years' time, where do you imagine or how do you imagine that we will be providing air traffic services? Will, be, will we be doing it as we do it today or will technology enable us to completely change the setup of air traffic control and air traffic management? 
Yeah, if you would ask me in 40 years, it would be a little bit easier because 20 years is just the end of the next investment cycle. Okay, let's take but, that leap and look ahead 40 years from now. But if I would say between 20 and 40 years, I strongly believe that technology will play a much uh, bigger role than it plays today. And uh, again, going back to the early example of the global infrastructure that has been built up in the last 40 years, mm -hmm. 30 years, for example, with GPS, uh, it will also have a more profound impact on the way how we manage an airspace. Uh, I believe it's mainly driven by the fact that the aircraft becomes a connected network node because the aircraft itself will carry a lot of the information mm -hmm. that it previously was provided from the ground by an air traffic manager. The aircraft today knows where it is. Yeah? 20 years ago, it needed a ping from a radar from our side to find out where they exactly were. Today, they don't need it. Again, using this global infrastructure, being part within that network, and now broadcasting this information. Now, if you collect this information, yeah, uh, and connect it, aggregate all this data, then you have a nice set of information about a, an aircraft that you can then use to apply intelligence on a system on it. Mm -hmm. This is what we call digitalization. Yeah? You move from analog to digital, digital. you connect this data via a network or connectivity, and you aggregate this data. And once you can aggregate the data, you know, volume of data, mm -hmm you can start running algorithms through it, simulations, real-time simulations, and so forth. You put intelligence into the system. Things that have happened already outside the aviation industry, they will happen here too. So that means that the, the, the job of separating an aircraft will be much less done by human beings and much more done by systems using this, uh, this, this access to this profound data uh, where we can put more intelligence into it. Klaus, thank you very much for this conversation. And you out there, thank you very much for watching and see you next time.